it. Wait turn on the radio. My homie got a new show and it's time to play it though. I hope you got in tune. He talking bigger business. He make a lot of money. Welcome to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. So good to be back with Casera. It's been a while. What's going on? All right. uh, none much. You know, same old, same old. Uh, DJing, and then I'm still producing here as well. So every once in a while, so I go on, I go on the Snapchat. I'm a little old, but I still do the it. Snapchat. I go on the Snapchat, and uh, this is a tech show, but you know how this goes. <laughs> um, and I see you in Discover, and I'm like, oh my god, I know her. Are you serious? Yeah. I have in the Discover. You've you've popped up in Discover several times. Wow, I had no idea that. If, I was yeah, if you didn't know that, that you did because I at one point. I actually took a... I'm surprised you wouldn't have seen this, because Snapchat tells you when someone screens your stuff. I took a screenshot of it, and I sent it to our my producer, Sam, mm. and I was like, what, why, how... How is why we, how yeah like how do we get there? Lot. That's it. I didn't know that. I didn't. I it's not once. Never it's knew. several times. I never knew that. So people know you world over. Well, wow, it's crazy. great to be back in the room with you. This yeah, is like, same with you. I missed little, you guys. It's been a, you know we we you and I both unlike most of the producer talent people here. Um, have absolutely no structure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely none. You and I are just like, none whatsoever. Here we go. Ashley's like, okay, here's the checklist. And I'm like, I don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, we'll wing it. We'll figure it out as we go along. It's the best show. It sounds great every time, I feel like. Uh, I mean, I, I purposely don't listen to my own show that way. If it sucks, <laughs> it's like, you know what? That was somebody else. I don't well, know. I mean, I listen Never to happened. it. I think it's You listen good. to my show? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. I have one, at least one listener. <laughs> My wife, who the only way to get my wife to listen to the show, she's actually here with our baby right now in the back, somewhere around the corner in the studio here. Uh, that's the only way to get her to listen to it. I have wow. to like bring her to WGen Radio where they force. I mean, you she to has listen. a lot going on. You guys have a baby. It's a lot well, to do. Yeah, with. but I, I feel like you know, audio is one of those things. You can you can do both of them. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's, I guess I'm going to get yelled at for that. Anyway, uh, it's so great to be back uh, in studio again. Here, it's like we've had a couple shows in a row, which is getting momentum. Um, I'm sure Todd will pull the rug and the socks will go on like a triple header and we'll be out of here. Uh, we've got a great show, as mentioned before. What I did mention is David Costello is the founder of Scoots. He is uh, sitting right next to me and also a person who has uh, a lot going on. He believes he's heading to New York immediately after this. Uh, so we'll, I guess here's the thing. If you people want David to stick around, you're going to have to call in or you can DM us at Katoon on Twitter and I will make him wait longer and that way uh, he doesn't have to work and drive longer. That's the deal. I'm sure his wife is listening and she's like, that son of a... <laughs> it's all good. We're going to have a good show. Um, and before we take our break here for the news, I, I just want to say it's, it's so nice to have Chicago summer back. I feel like we have been ripped off. Like all of May, nothing. We've got... Pride weekend, which is gonna be super fun. Oh, you're Casera, you are you are DJing that. Yes, I'm it, DJing in the float. I am so excited. Is it is it gonna rain again though? I feel like no. tonight I hope not. It's not gonna rain. I feel I have a conspiracy are you, wait, theory. Are you saying this like you're willing it off or you know it's not gonna rain? I know it's not gonna rain. And okay. I have proof as to why. Because last weekend I went to the Pride Festival mm-hmm. and it was supposed to rain all weekend long. Yep. Every other part of Chicago got hit with rain except for Boys Town. That is why it will not rain on us at the parade tomorrow. You, I, I hope so. I'm just, it's what it is is like every day has some rain. There's nothing there. Yeah, I know that this is a tech show. And we're supposed to be talking about startups, but we've got an hour and a half. People, no so rain. Just, is, rain is a part of tech because it's yeah. affecting everything in the world. Do you go on an app on your phone to check out the weather all the time? Because now tech. I just bought a convertible, so now I have to. What kind of car? What it's are, a 2001 with? Mitsubishi Eclipse Spider. Ooh. Yeah. Kind of like what Tyrese ride. has in Fast and Furious. Yeah. Is it as quick as Tyrese's car? I think so. 
Of course. I think so. Of course. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with David. We're going to check in on that. Then uh, after that, the back half of the show, we've got our startup showcases, which are going to sprout a little bit. And then I would love to have people call in and just ask questions. Here's the thing. Almost every one of the founders who's called in from Republic, which if you want to participate and invest, you have to go to republic.co uh, backslash register, and you can sign up, hook your credit card up, probably dangerous, but fun nonetheless. Um, and you can invest in these companies. And most of the guys and girls who call in are always like, oh, what were the questions we got afterward? And if you are figuring out, like, who are you who asked the questions on the podcast, which we host every week here at WGN, every Tuesday we record, we do the startup inbox. And that is the questions that people ask. I would love for today for you to call in with it rather than me have to do it on the podcast because we have an extra half an hour. And here's the deal. We all love Dane. We love Dane. But if you guys don't call in with questions, I got to go on the road with Dane. I got to call into the, 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 the raceway. I don't know anything about race cars. I, I can't help you. So you people have to help me here. Um, WGNRadio.com and you can find in the call-in number. I, I don't. Because Sarah, do you know the call-in number? By heart? Uh, 312-981-7200. Boom. All right. With that, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back right after this. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Coutune. Uh We are checking in now with David Casello. He is the founder of Scoots. Welcome to the show, David. Just pull that mic right up in front of you. Cool. There Hi. You how go. you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, so I kind of prefaced. I cheated a little bit and said that you were uh, you needed to be heading out of here at some point. What, tell us, where, what are you doing? What is going on in your life right now? Uh, so I just graduated from Northwestern University. Go Cats, uh, first off. Former, I'm a Northwestern guy as well. Nice. Awesome. I just graduated from the Kellogg School of Management up there with my MBA about a week and a half ago and am relocating to the East Coast, nice. uh, to New York. So have been packing all morning, have movers there, been packing all week, but have been packing the moving truck this morning, the U-Haul. I've got questions for you already. Please, please. Okay. So the first question is, did they send a bill yet? The bill for what? For your education. For my education, yeah. yes, they have. I was going to say. Billing it, me quarterly. It comes real <laughs> qu- oh, oh, well, I guess technically, yeah. I See, I went there, I got two masters there, and I just didn't pay. Oh, no, no. So I haven't paid anything. I've received all yeah, the bills. Yeah, okay. So you're getting in the a bills. Nice pile. I sure. would get them, and I would just immediately like, oh, this is heavy, and just dump it in the trash. Totally. I've been that's where that's thing. going. So, and I don't have to start paying until January, so I have a little time to keep forgetting about it. Don't pay. It's Definitely. fine. You never know. Elizabeth Warren could become president, and then you just don't even have to pay exactly. for any of this. Which... I doubt they'll wipe off NBA debt, but that would be nice. I feel like. <laughs> So I was hopeful that that I was included. I'm in the same park as you with this. I was hopeful that that was included. Is that not, is it just undergrad? I I I'm not speaking from research I've done. I'm just speaking from just general. I took the liberty. I just took a liberty. Oh, I, I was like, love, I'm not paying. I would this love is stupid. Right. Yeah, I'm not right. paying. There we go. I'm just gonna not pay until the election. See what happens. I don't see why not. Um. So here's <laughs> my question. My question for you on this is. Uh. So you you said you're moving to the East Coast. Did you get a job already in the East Coast, or what's the deal? Yeah. So I uh, recruited through the kind of Kellogg infrastructure, and I lined up a job with Boston Consulting Group. And uh, I'm really excited about the opportunity to work for them. But why I, New York, though? Uh, New York. I'm originally from New Jersey. I'm originally oh, from okay, right outside. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah so okay. kind of relocating back there. My wife actually graduated from Northwestern as well. Yep. With a degree in education, and she's going to be teaching second grade in Brooklyn. So we're going to be moving to Park Slope. Okay, this makes more sense because I was yeah. say we actually sublet space at 300 North of South from BCG. Hmm. So like I was like, there's BCG here. Yeah. For I, sure. I'm always curious because like we take obviously a very Chicago centric approach uh, to to technory and what we do uh, is. I, I think we try to help Chicago. I'm I'm actually very pro just startup founder entrepreneur less city, uh, but it just sort of happens that I think Chicago brings a lot of uh, tactical advantages given uh, the cost of employment and the cost of living and so forth. Absolutely. Um, so I was just confused as to like if you left Northwestern and you went straight to BCG, I was going to ask you, were there no options here? 
Yeah, no, that that definitely wasn't the case. There's okay. certainly options here, and I've had a great time. This is actually my second time. I lived in Chicago earlier on in my life, and now I'm back you're from not graduate that school. Old. How, like, what's, I'm 31, so I've been. You look kinda, good. Thank you. Look, you. you look you're well preserved. <laughs> um, no, so we, obviously you're here not to talk about your BCG role for sure. Um, you're here to talk about scoots. Am yes. I getting this right? So yes. give me. I want to hear the pitch on scoots, and then I want to ask you a ton of questions. Great. So scoots is the world's first plant-based footwear brand. We are a new, innovative footwear company that lives right at the intersection of style and sustainability. Yep. And we're coming to market with a shoe that's called the PA1 or the Pineapple 1 that's incredibly comfortable, versatile styled, and made of over 95% plant-based materials. So we're really excited to kind of build this brand, this consumer brand or footwear brand in the sustainability space, but have a real focus on not compromising. So we don't want customers to compromise on price, on quality, on comfort, on anything, but still be able to achieve a better, more sustainable product. What do these things look like? These things look like um, the closest comp-, comp would be a van slip-on. Okay. So they're like a slip-on style sneaker. The bottom is made of 80% cork and 20% natural latex. And the upper material we're using is somewhat leather-like, but it's made of 80% pineapple fibers and 20% corn. So I'm going to go ahead and guess, having gone through Northwestern's programs myself, that uh, there wasn't a whole lot of help there. Uh, so actually, not really. Um, in this case, I think I had a really good oper- or really good support network at Northwestern. Now, are we talking about like uh, the actual like program, like entrepreneurship program? Or are we talking about just like in general with like supply chain for this? Because I'm not talking yeah. about business. The business part, yes, obviously Northwestern's fantastic, definitely. At that. But from the standpoint of like companies that I meet who are entrepreneurial in nature that come out of Northwestern, whether that's MBA program, which I was obviously a part of that, the Medill program. Um, a lot of them are very technical, very engineering-based, and so I, I just made an assumption uh, that given the fact that it's sort of a plant-based shoe, uh, I've not seen anything like that pop out of Northwestern. Yes, so as far as uh, the actual footwear construction goes yeah. and the design of that... Just the idea. Yeah, because like, sure. I mean, like, where this, to me, is like, where does this come from? So this comes from my own interest in footwear for a long time, and I had experience prior to Kellogg in the consumer space working for Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, okay. but came in kind of with the interest of combining my interest in consumer with a bit more uh, altruistic and mission-driven purpose, yep. and kind of brought it in my interest in footwear and kind of brought this all together. At Northwestern, I would say I got a lot of help from the, uh, as far as general consumer businesses go, how to engage customers, how to think through what the true problem we're solving is, how to really get to what we're building. But yeah, as far as designing shoes, I actually went to the Chicago School of Shoemaking and took some classes there and and I learned how to make shoes myself. So I know that you were uh, part of VentureCat. Yes. Which last week, for those who were checking back in with us, we had uh, the Polsky's University. We cheated on Northwestern. We had the Polsky Center (laughs) um, New Venture Challenge, which I think the the interesting part to me when I talk to, well, really anyone, but particularly those who know Northwestern and know Chicago, Mm -hmm. um, is that the New Venture Challenge tends to do very well in what I would say are like predominantly B2C, like very obviously B2C, which you Mm -hmm. are in this case. Yeah. but don't necessarily do so great in like that high tech like drone type stuff. Even though Chicago is a fantastic school in in particular in the sciences, uh, but Northwestern's venture cat tends to be very engineering heavy. What was the experience like for you going through that, and and kind of walk me through VentureCat and, and sure. the whole pitch p- process and all that jazz? Yeah, so so Northwestern provides a lot of resources leading up to VentureCat. They pair you with a coach who's really well experienced. Ours was Troy Hennikoff, who was a venture capitalist here in yep. the area, and really helped us get our pitch right. He's the um, founder, for those of you who know, of Shore Pay. 
He uh, created an accelerator here that ultimately became Techstars and then uh, is the uh, co-principal at Math Ventures with uh, a good friend of ours, Mark Ackler. Just uh, give, give Everyone loves Troy Hennikoff. The last two guests on our show uh, yesterday had another one on Tro- Troy as his, his guy. So Definitely. Troy's a great guy. Troy. Definitely. Uh, so I, I got some coaching from him and kind of got our pitch up to where it needed to be. On the day of, they separate the candidates. Or, or I'm, I'm sorry. First off, I should back up. First, there's a written application. You apply yep. uh, in writing, and they narrow it down to 25 semifinalists that are separated into five tracks. We were in the B2C track. So the morning of, you come in into a private room, not in front of an audience at this stage, and you pitch to five judges. And each of the five startups in our track goes in, pitches one by one. And we were selected as the second place um, winner in our B2C track. So we did not continue on to the finals at that point. Okay. Um, but the way it continues on after that is the first place team in each track continues on to the finals. And they get up. First, they go in another private room, pitch to a room full of judges, and they actually make their decision in private and then they go up in front of the audience and pitch to the audience for a audience favorite vote where did you do the pitch at uh, we did the pitch at the kellogg building at northwestern oh the brand new the, the was, brand new oh, global hub, yep. you can like if you if you look well we're on the wrong side of the building if you go to the other studio here at w Gen, you can like if you just faintly look you, you can, can actually it. see yeah, it which is incredible it's an incredible building it's very nice very cool um we are going to take i think do we have how long do we have to wear commercial like a minute thereabout Give or take. Okay. We've got a minute. So I'm going to ask you one more question about this. We're going to take a break. And if you don't mind, I'd love to have you hang out with me uh, for at least the back, like 15 minutes of the next half of the show um, and hear a pitch from one of the companies who are pitching in, because I think it's, there's a, I I don't know how to describe it. We talked about this on the last week's show. There's this like, all the companies are in the same kind of boat, right? You're, you're raising, are you raising money right now? Uh, We're making that decision shortly. Well, let's talk about that. Let's just move right to this. Sure. What, what's the, what are you weighing on this decision? I'm weighing, uh, personally, if I want to... I mean, so I have a job from Boston Consulting Group that yep. I could not move forward with if I went ahead and raised capital. So, so you feel like this is one of... It's like, well, I guess... It would be very hard to raise capital and, and not be 100% committed to what I'm working Well, yeah, if you're going to BCG, you're going to be working like insane consulting oh, Working hours. a lot, for sure. So so the the decision that I'm, I'm uh, working through right now is uh, is, is kind of, uh, do I continue forward with the footwear business on the side? And then in that regard, I would go about bootstrapping it. So that's kind of the, the route that most likely I'll be going forward with. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do a little uh, call and audible. And we're going to take our break. We're going to come back. And when we come back, we're going to talk about that. Okay, because I, I want to see if I can get from you sort of what you're weighing and what we're doing. And obviously, I understand like that you guys are moving there, so like it, it's pretty much there. But like, I'd love to know because I I feel like having talked to entrepreneurs in the past, particularly those in kind of this space, a little different but very similar, um, that have been able to run these businesses along the side for quite a while. So we're going to take a, a quick break here. We're going to come back with uh, the news after this break, and then we're going to check in a little more with you, David, on like how do you make this decision for those of you listening. Sounds good. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Uh, sticking around with me still is David Costello. Uh, I, I just want to figure out, I want to understand this better for founders, and, I, and then I promise we're going to kick our, our first call off um, for the Startup Showcase with Intimed. But I, I, you've chosen to take the job at BCG in New York, and yes. I, I get the family component of this. I just am interested to see uh, why you chose to go the route of that and why you thought this is a company that doesn't necessarily make for uh, capital raise, because I, I think a lot of people think, oh, I'll just raise money and we'll do whatever. And, and I actually kind of respect the idea of being like, no, this is a perfect little side gig company that could become great and we'll do that later. 
Yeah, I think uh, raising venture capital puts you on a one-way train to go very fast in one direction and, and, and in, in the direction... <laughs> one direction or another. Exactly, yeah. in one direction, which is straight up or, or failure. Yep. And not all businesses, in my opinion, and, and really a lot... Kellogg really teaches us a lot, too, is that not all businesses are made out for venture capital. Not all yep. businesses need venture capital. And as soon as you accept that money, you're putting a clock on either the next round of fundraising you're going to take or when an exit's going to take place because yep. venture capitalists are giving you their money to get it back tenfold down yep. the road. So if we want to keep this as more of a lifestyle business and bootstrap it ourselves, that gives me much more flexibility, much more control over what we can do. And it allows me to move at a pace and really test exactly what customers want, not waste any resources and move forward at a, at a pace that I'm more comfortable. I, I feel like we were just talking about this at one of the, one of the events that I hosted over at catapult about companies and founders in particular. There are those that I feel like are in the business of raising capital. They're not in the business of building a business. They're definitely. in the business of raising capital. It's like financial arbitrage nowadays. It's like, it really is. Definitely. And, I, and I think it has to do with the fact that if you have a company that can say in some way, shape, or form that you're tech-enabled, that you can get a 20X. Definitely. And if you're just if you're a shoe company, it's like it's 4X. And it's like, but if it was an app that paired this with somewhere, some sure. mission, and you could, <laughs> like, we'd be 20X. And, and to me, it's like, I, I mean, kudos to those who, I guess, successfully accomplished this, but I really do think it does, like a, it does a lot of harm, and I think it, it sets a a tone for founders that makes them feel like if we're not raising capital, we're not in that game that we're like somehow not a startup founder. We're not entrepreneurs. Like that's a small business, not an entrepreneur. And and the reality is money counts, right? I mean, that's, that's success is all that really matters. So what, what about your business do you believe makes it well suited for just doing it like on the side, like you're running Kickstarter campaign. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So right now we're running a Kickstarter campaign. We launched it on June 4th and it actually ends on July 4th at uh, 9am Chicago time. We set a fundraising goal of $45,000 on Kickstarter and we've raised over 40,000 of it already. So So, five to go. You people listening, you should go. Where's the, what's the link? Definitely. So if you just go to kickstarter.com and search for scoots, S C O O T S, it'll come right up. And uh, there is uh, many different pledges you can make, and, and you can uh, pre-order your pair of scoots, be the first in the world to have them. Also, get the best pricing we're ever going to offer. Well, there you go. Boom, $3,000 is in, and you've already, you've already beat the barrier. <laughs> um, it's that simple. Uh, no, I, I just I feel like, I don't know how to describe this. I feel like I sit across from so many founders who try to explain to me why they should be raising capital, and it's refreshing if someone's sitting around like, nah, man, I, I don't need, like, yes, I've accepted a job, which is one thing, but like in reality... I, we were talking about this off offline. I think that this company, especially if you were to come back and raise on the show with Republic, I think this company is set up perfectly for customers need to to try it out. They need to give you feedback if they like it. And if they like it, then it's just about marketing and finding the customer and letting more customers get get their get their hands or feet on the shoes. Definitely. And also there's definitely going to be areas for improvement. There always is going to be sure. areas for improvement. So we can always we can make small batches, we can constantly iterate and keep improving and keep improving our product. And here's the thing is I think most of the companies that you know, with the exception we were talking about this like the Warby Parkers, with yep. the exception of those type of companies that have to take on a financial burden that is insane to be able to facilitate the model. So like the ability to have economies of scale Mm -hmm. and to offer the ability for me to have a commercial where I give away five pairs of glasses in order to do that, you have to raise so much capital to be able to to get it rolling. Definitely. I actually think companies like, like scoots and others, we were talking about bucket feet before. I think where they can be very successful, but it's a dangerous line, but they can be very successful is to not have too many skews and just be like, listen, man, the, the hook is these shoes are really comfortable and they're good for the, they're good for the earth. That's that's really it. And if you want to do something more after that, 
let's prove that people enjoy wearing them. And then after that, if someone wants a different design, like we'll work on that, but you don't need to extend yourself in, you know, into the, into the craziness of raising capital to support needs that are really not yet validated. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I think that's where a lot of shoe companies get into trouble is they try to make many styles times, many colors times, many sizes, and they end up with tons of inventory that's not turning and they end up going under. So the clothing companies that I know of that are, that have raised capital that are not in like the zip fit jeans where there's like, there's a total, uh, digital market play. Like those that are not in that, um, I don't even, I want, I don't want to like put them on the same level cause they're just different. I just don't understand it, I guess is my point. I don't understand the, the people that go out there and like, I, I run a traditional business that for the life of the world has always worked completely fine without raising capital. And now because I'm young entrepreneur with this clothing company, I, it's a t-shirt business and I need to raise money. You're like, yeah, for sure. I, do you know how many t-shirts you're going to have to sell to do 10 X return? Like this Definitely. is going to be crazy. Definitely. Um, okay. So I want you to give me kind of the last sort of like your, big picture end of end goals for the for scoots what does that look like sure so so scoots is really centered around and the reason that i personally decided to start it and why i'm driving forward with this is to find a better way to make the products that we're wearing all the time so um footwear for example is a really bad perpetrator with this and one thing that i'm really conscious about the way that we brand scoots is i never want to be negative or or down or preachy or anything like that. Yeah. We always want to stay on a positive note. But the, the the reality of the fact is that a lot of footwear that's made today is made with materials that are very durable, but are so durable that they never go away. Yep. So finding a way to strike the perfect balance between durability, comfort, and sustainability. So you can, when you're done with the pair of shoes, you can go in the backyard, bury it in a hole, and it just completely dissolves back to dirt in six months. That's the goal. And that's what we're working towards. I think you have a chance to get there. I think there's a lot of, of businesses that have proven to be very successful uh, on the side. And I, I, I just, I, I see, we talked about this a little bit last show. I see the gig economy as a place that's sort of not being well represented. It's being talked about. Casera obviously does DJ, DJ stuff as well as doing this. And we, we look at, when I say gig economy, people are like, oh, Lyft and Uber. And it's For like, sure. that's, no, no, not at all. That's what came to mind as well. Here. Yeah, no, it's, it, but it's, it's not like there, there are legitimate full fledged businesses where people make, you know, it used to be being a realtor on the side. Like mm-hmm. there's businesses that you can create and all you need to figure out doesn't, you don't have to scale it. All you have to do is figure out how to make the margins work. Definitely. Like if you can make the margins work and make 60 or $80,000 a year, is that a bad side business? Like not I feel like all. that's Definitely. pretty darn good. That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, best of luck to you. I hope that you make this thing, uh, go. And I, I hope that you don't lose your soul at BCG. I, I uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I like those guys, obviously, uh, but it's a tough gig. And um, you know, if you've, work. if you've been through Kellogg, then you should probably be fine because uh, you'll be one of about eight million other Kellogg alum <laughs> that are hanging out at Boston Consulting. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun hanging out with you. So uh, best of luck to you. Thank you for having me. Lastly, where do people go to follow Scoots and to, to make sure that they're they're up on this? Yeah, so so first and foremost, for the next, uh, until uh, next Thursday, uh, so until July 4th, we're available on Kickstarter, so that's the first place to check us out. And we also are on Instagram at Scoots underscore footwear, and we are also on Facebook and just Scoots footwear. Very cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, we're going to take one more break. We're going to come back with Ishwar Inapari, President and CPO of Inamed, and... Uh, like I said before, make sure you go to republic.co slash Inamed. I think it's I-N-N-A-M-E-D. Uh, register, and you can go ahead and uh, and invest right along with us. So we'll be back. I'm Scott Katoon. This is WGN Radio AM 720. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Joining us right now, we've got the founder and or gets the president and CPO of Inamed. 
uh, in the show here to do a quick pitch for the Startup Showcase. If you want to invest, as said numerous times before, you just go to republic.co slash register. You can register, plug your card in, and you can invest in this company. Um, Ishwar, are you there? Yep. Hey, no, Scott. There we go. There you are. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you first, uh, first and foremost for taking the time here on a Saturday. Uh, so here's how this goes. You're going to have one minute to pitch the business in a med, and then I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Sound good? Absolutely. All righty. I'm going to let you fire away in three, two, one, go. Perfect. So at Inamed, we're developing a simple at-home blood testing device to enable patients with heart failure to painlessly and rapidly capture the same blood test data that physicians use to manage their condition today, but from the comfort of their home. And right now, blood testing requires travel to a lab or doctor's office, painful and high-volume blood draws, and long wait times. So at Inamed, we're hoping to increase the frequency of testing by eliminating all of these barriers. And this frequent blood testing data can then be used by physicians and nurses to analyze the patient's biological condition and guide therapy. And in addition to blood testing, our at-home device will be able to log patients' vitals and symptoms and enable care provider communication, so video or audio chat or messaging. And in addition to that, patient reminders and education as well. And while we're starting with heart failure as its primary focus area, um, we also plan to expand into several other verticals, such as transplant medicine, fertility testing, and metabolic disorders. So I'd be happy to share uh, more with you, and I know you have some questions, so we can dig in. Yeah, no, great job. Um, So first and foremost, where do people go to follow and find out more about Inamed before we get into the Q&A? Yeah, so you can visit our website, uh, www.inamed.com, I-N-N-A-M-E-D, or you can go to the Republic website, so www.republic.co slash Inamed. Um, So either of those websites have tons of information on us, and you can find out more. Perfect. Okay, so I have to ask, what is the sort of the inspiration for this? Sure. So um, both my background and my co-founder's background is in point-of-care blood testing. So we've worked in research labs at the University of Pennsylvania uh, doing biological research on developing these blood tests. And so when we formed the company, we were thinking, how can we apply our research and our technology to improve right now the condition of patients with chronic diseases, um, both improving quality of life and reducing the cost of care. And so that question really as American, the American health system um, has faced increasing costs over the past decade, um, that's really what we wanted to solve. Is there, so like one of the, you know, obviously this is one of those topics where like, I feel like people don't quite understand the barriers that exist. It's like, if you're, if you're, if you're insured, and you have access to healthcare and you have access to things and you're regularly going to checkups and all that kind of stuff to you're like, Oh, I, I don't understand what the barrier for, for having blood tests and things would be. But for the vast majority of people in the world, I, I don't, I think that there isn't an actual barrier. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's three types of barriers to, uh, to care in general. One is a financial barrier. So you can see um, patients who don't have insurance or patients who have insurance, but can't pay their copays or deductibles. That's one of the main barriers uh, to care, and we're trying to solve that barrier by making uh, one aspect of care, which is blood testing, more affordable, and also adding a telemedicine component so that you don't have to go to in-person doctor's visits, which are typically more expensive. Um, the second barrier to care is often transportation. So in more rural areas, um, 
like even in uh, Central America or even uh, other countries, typically patients have to drive hours to get to hospitals or labs, and so that's a huge barrier to care as well, especially when you're talking about older patients like heart failure patients who are in their 60s and have trouble, 60s or 70s and have trouble uh, getting out of the house and driving for long periods. Um, so that's the second main barrier of care. Um, and then the third is just uh, patient education. So patients being aware of their condition and knowing when to contact the doctor, when to go in for checkups, and when to request uh, medical examinations. A lot of times there isn't enough education or uh, patient access to care, and so they're not aware of when to go in or when to request care. And so those three issues are what we're trying to tackle with our product. Um, so I think... I think I understand the the concept. Obviously, I think I understand like money wise, it's a service. So I, I'm going to go ahead and imagine that each one of these things just you know has a cost to it. Um, the two questions I have is like if I were to give you sort of the the big picture goal, you guys are successful over time. What is the big impact that you wish you're going to have on the world? And then the the last question I'm going to ask you ahead of time because we got we're up against a break is going to be you know. Assuming you have a successful raise with this campaign, you know where does this money go to? What what is the what is the next level that you guys are about to hit? Sure. So I'll answer your first question. Um, so basically, in terms of what we view as success, we want to drastically reduce the cost of care for chronically ill patients. So we're starting with heart failure. One of the most um, expensive issues with heart failure is admissions and readmissions. So each time a, a heart failure patient goes to the hospital. Um, it costs the, the, the healthcare system $13,000 to take care of that patient. And so it's a very expensive endeavor, but if the patient is properly monitored and the dosage of their drugs that they take is modified before they get to that state where they have to go to the hospital, then that admission can be prevented and that $13,000 can be saved. So what we're proposing is have this at-home blood testing device, which captures the blood data, the symptom data, heart rate, blood pressure, all of these vitals and, blood and, and, and quantitative data and have it so that they can measure that data on a frequent basis, charging them, you know, a, a monthly subscription fee, and as a result, prevent a lot of these admissions and readmissions. So even though we're charging a fee, we're, we're, we're causing savings over the long term by reducing these really, really expensive admissions and readmissions. And so that's the value proposition, and that's how we want to impact the healthcare system, starting with heart failure, but all of these other disease areas as well. We want to reduce those large ticket items and help patients have a better quality of life by more frequent monitoring and access to care. And the money that you're raising with the Republic campaign will go towards what? Yeah, so so far we've licensed IP from Auburn University, so we have intellectual property and we have uh, scientists working at our bench. We're looking to expand our team with the money from Republic, do some more studies on our blood tests against the gold standard right now to show that our tests are accurate, and then also expand how much research that we're doing on the patient side, so working directly with patients and doctors to show that the product would be useful in a couple of trials. And then once we show that, we can go to investors and raise a larger Series A towards the end of the year. So we're really excited about the Republic campaign because it gets less regular people get in on the company. And down the line, if we IPO or sell the company, they can share on the return on investment. And that's what we're really excited about and hope to generate for our investors. Excellent. Very cool. I appreciate you taking the time to pitch on this. Where do people go one more time to invest in this company? Absolutely. So www.republic.co forward slash Inamed, I-N-N-A-M-E-D. 
Very cool. I appreciate you taking the time, and I hope that you guys are uh, successful in this because I think uh, there's certainly a need, and obviously you talked about globally, but I think even in the United States, uh, getting older folks to uh, to be able to get to the hospital and have access to the same things that those of us are fortunate enough to be insured here in the city uh, also have, I think is a good mission. Absolutely. Thanks, Scott. Of course. Take care. Dun, dun, dun. Back to the overtime version of the startup showcase. Because <laughs> Sarah, I can't help it. I just watch in the room. She's left. She's like, what is he doing? He's out of his mind. Uh, no, I'm just really excited to be back on the show uh, and actually have extended time. I feel like our show has so much content and we try to jam it into an hour uh, when an hour and a half is really the right amount of time. Uh, so we're going to kick it right back over to the Startup Showcase edition, literally, uh, and invite in on the show right now, Daniel Downs. He's the CEO of R3 Printing. Dan, are you there? Oh, I'm here. Okay. Hey, Scott. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Uh, first off, welcome back to the show. You've been on the show before. You've been on stage at Technori as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always great. Uh, the Technori team, you guys are total rock stars. And thank you for having me back. Of course. That's one way to get back on the show is call us a rock star. Um, so <laughs> you know how this goes. The, the, the deal is, is simple. I'm going to give you one minute to pitch R3 printing, and then you and I are going to do a little Q&A. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Hello, so my name is Dan Downs. I'm co-founder and head of BizDev for R3 Printing. Uh, about us, we are a New York City-based industrial automation company that's focused on disrupting the $16 billion additive manufacturing industry uh, with our groundbreaking hardware products. Uh, so this year, we are bringing to market the R3 printer. It's an enterprise-grade 3D printer designed for on-demand manufacturers. Uh, also known as ODMs, uh, on-demand manufacturers are companies that produce uh, manufactured goods for both consumers and enterprises, and their infrastructure is made of 3D printers. Our vision is to lower the cost of 3D printing services across the board. Uh, today, the industry does have some scaling issues that are innate with the technology. The R3 printer is designed specifically to be the ultimate platform for addressing these problems and running a scalable uh, on-demand manufacturing service. Uh, so uh, Secret Sauce, it's engineered to print faster, bigger build area, uh, operate 24-7 uh, through some patent-pending industrial automation technology. Um, you know, we're attacking the whole pie here by serving these businesses through superior technology. What that results in is better products for their customers um, and achieving you know, our true goal, which is mass customization at a price point that is competitive with mass production today. Uh, so I invite everyone to check us out on Republic, and uh, we'd love to have you on the team as investors. And where do people go to actually check that out? It's republic.co backslash, if I'm not mistaken, R3-printing. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, and for those who want to remember it simply, we're right on the front page. That helps as well. Uh, so... I want to know, like, last time we talked about this, you were obviously getting things into production, and I, I feel like whether that was because we were just coming off of a maker event or it was just the timing, there was a lot of press around 3D printing, and it was pretty hot at that moment. Things got offset, and everyone's talking about blockchain and crypto now, and so that, I guess, again, they were then too, but now they really are. Um, what what are the, the sort of, like, where are things at right now as far as the actual industry and in 3D printing? Because I, I haven't heard a whole lot about it, but I I, I suspect that those who are really involved in it are, are still very involved in it. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of these trends have uh, corrective cycles, and there's usually a lot of hype 
people who are talking, talking, talking about making the future. Um, you know, we're really focused on making the future happen. And those who are still in this industry today are heads down executing ruthlessly uh, for the development of product. Um, so to give you a little bit of our background, since we last talked, um, I think it was uh, May of 2018. Uh, right. So at that time, uh, we were wrapping up at the Ocean Accelerator in Cincinnati, uh, you know, pitched at Technori in Chicago later that summer. Um, we were down in Australia for uh, the Launch Festival of Sydney. Uh, they invited us down. Uh, they thought we had a pretty persuasive uh, case, and we were attacking a, a really interesting problem. Um, and since then, uh, on the product side of things, we are now in the design for manufacturing uh, stage. Uh, so that that really means that we are streamlining components for the final design, uh, ready to move these to market for product launch by end of the year. Um, on the biz dev side, I can tell you that uh, we have received uh, sort of an unexpected um, source of, of interest. About a year ago, we received some uh, inbound interest from, from some individuals in the, in the defense industry, uh, and we started pulling the thread on that. Um, as of a few weeks ago, we just finished wrap, wrapping up a uh, Phase 1 Cyber Grant uh, that was conducted through the United States Air Force. Very cool. Um, and so I guess what are the things that you have to get right in this business? This is the one thing about like with not that I know all the tech companies, but with tech companies, when I think of tech and I'm thinking like software and things like that, I kind of generally know the, you know, get the process right, get the cost of acquisition right. Like I, I kind of know the, the, the confinements of success with your business. I just don't have a sound footing for it. So what, what do you have to get right for this to be successful? Yeah, sure. So, you know, really you know, our true north is making 3D printers that address uh, the problems with current on-market technology today. Uh, today's 3D printers are not very efficient. They don't print very quickly, um, and they have some just innate technical problems that you know is to be expected from a Gen 1 product. It's, you know, I like to make the comparison to the, the PC revolution in the 1970s. You know, people saw where the future was going, but the actual sausage making does take time. Um, so, you know, for us, there is no substitute uh, for having an effective product. And you know, what we're focused on doing is bringing to market this product that addresses these present validated pain points uh, and from there, you know, scaling the business. Is it fair to say, I mean, I, I think back on, on a lot of the tech companies we've had come through here and it's like, obviously, successful you know, investors will tell you that the best companies are the ones that have a problem that is obvious that they solve for that's a real pain problem. And I always liken that to like, yes, that's true for like the behemoths, but the reality is a lot of the customer acquisition comes down to like letting people know that what they're experiencing is in fact a problem. And hey, look, I'm a solution for you. Uh, and which makes that really kind of a heavy lift uh, from a marketing standpoint versus you in my mind, at least right now, I feel like the users of you know who they are. The people who yes. are, are, are going to be your customer are really, it's really just about inbound. It's really about SEO and, and, and having people search for the problem that they already know they have and coming to you instead of somebody else. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to give you uh, and the listeners a bit of our background, uh, you know, uh, my co-founder Paul and I established R3 printing as an on-demand manufacturer. Uh, that's how we cut our teeth. Uh, so we were producing 3D printed goods for both businesses and consumers alike, uh, you know, based in Manhattan. Uh, you know, we're talking about designers, uh, architects, architecture students, uh, those in the fashion industry. 
And, um, you know, we validated these pain points in a very intimate way. And uh, today, you know, I, I'm you know, pretty confident in saying that you know, one of our uh, sort of superpowers is that we have a deep Rolodex of, of who's who in the industry and know exactly what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. Very cool. Uh, well, for one last uh, little roll call here, if you could tell everybody exactly where they can go and how they can invest in you, that would be great. Yeah, sure. So um, in addition to inviting everyone out there, uh, Scott, we'd love to have you guys on board. Uh, Technori joining us as investors or via your social media and uh, a newsletter, um, republic.co slash r3-printing. Uh, if you go to republic.co, we are right there on the front page. Uh, check us out. Uh, we'd love for those of you listening to join us in helping bring the customized 3D printed future to fruition. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks again, Dan. Love catching up with you. Uh, and of course, uh, I hope you have continued success. Likewise, Scott. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks. I want to add the segment that I brought in last week. I feel like um, people talk about podcasts to listen to. If you don't, you should check out the Technori podcast, not just because it's my podcast, uh, but I think it's a great way for you to familiarize yourself with a lot of the the, the, the founders and the, and the startup CEOs uh, around the Chicago area, but also abroad. We've had people like, I know you're probably thinking of the scooters that are driving you absolutely insane if you live in the West Loop. Um, the founder of Bird was on the show, on the podcast. You should check that out at technori.com or you can... Uh, download the podcast wherever you get yours, whether that's Spotify or Apple or Google or any number of dozens of different places now that that blast away podcasts. Um, but I, I feel like I'm kind of new to this the book thing. Like I, I know a lot of you are in the book club, and I'm not new to books, obviously. Well, I kind of am. I, I've never been like the most voracious leader or reader, but like uh, book on tape. And I feel like it came from podcasts. So if you're a podcast listener, you're going to love the book on tape concept. And I am consuming books like ridiculous. Like I'm consuming books on a weekly basis, multiple books, and I do it on the way home and I do it on the way back and forth to work. And it's, to me, it's sort of like a meditation of sorts, if you will, but also a way to keep, keep informed. And this week, the book that I started was called Born Standing Up and it's by Steve Martin. For those of you uh, who know Steve Martin from the Saturday Night Live and uh, Father of the Bride and all these other things, you may wonder why I would be listening to it. Well, last week I talked to you about the book I was reading then, which is, uh, or listening to, uh, which is Rob Lowe. And seemingly these are just like entertainers and you're like, oh, this is like life bios. The reality is it's not. Born Standing Up to me, if you don't Steve Martin and his story, he's really different. He's not... He accidentally fell into startup or to stand up, and I think it really does like fit well uh, when when talking about startups because stand ups have everything on the line. They literally are walking up in front of a crowd of people and they're just telling them, "I hope you like what I have for you." And I feel like founders and startups are very similar to that. So if you're if you're looking at it from a relative to the business I'm in, tech and investing in startups, then it, yes, it's obvious. Stand up and startup actually uh, not only do they sound very similar, but they they actually feel very similar. It's a very high, I feel like you're a very risk tolerant person if you can do it. You're also generally very creative and you also love to have attention on you, which uh, I don't know if that's something that drives founders, but I, I kind of feel like it is. I feel like a common theme is that CEO narcissism sort of thing is there and an ever present. Um, and so hearing the journey of failure and, and all of the things that Steve Martin went through and just sort of finding himself um, and finding success, but then Here's the part that I think pivots away and goes more towards uh, this is good for everyone to know is when have you hit enough success or when have you when have you hit a point of success where you have to like check yourself 
and recognize like, okay, I'm still just a dude. Um, and this isn't fun anymore. It's taken on a life of its own and the expectations uh, of the audience are starting to in- to like control the creative output. And so one of the things that Steve talks about in his book, which I think is super fascinating is like hitting that moment for him. It was after father of the bride. What is it? Two. I don't, I don't know. Um, where what he was creatively inspired to produce was starting to be impacted by those listening to him and the, and what they expected. They expected this crazy, you know, uh, pink Panther guy to come out and, and wow him. And it was like, that's not what I, what I love. And that's not what I do. And, and he felt like he's now back doing standup again. Um, I believe with Martin short and you can see that he took a break and that break sort of, did two things that let him recharge, but also it sort of let you recharge you, the the listener in the audience to be like, okay, um, what did Steve Martin do again? Who is the Saturday night live guy? Like, who is this guy? It let him create enough of a gap between what you last saw him do and what he wanted to do. And I feel like that's one of those things that as a founder, you see it with people who are repeat founders, um, and, and, and CEOs who take a break, they disappear from the limelight, they come back and they're sort of recharged and they're ready to do this again. Uh, and there's, they've, there's been enough of a distance that you're like, oh, what? Why did I know that name? And and it, and it creates just enough creative gap. But I, I think you can do this in real life too. I think sometimes we do things and we we create a persona. I definitely am guilty of this. We create this persona where we we are who we are, and it just keeps building momentum. And the people around you have these expectations of who you are, and it becomes commonplace. They forget you know, the work that goes in behind being who you are, whether that's, you know, actual physical work or if that's just, you know, the created character that you play. And all of a sudden we start to lose sight of, you know, who the person really is and what their genuine intentions are. And we sort of like project expectations on them. And I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm just crazy here, but like, I got all that in a, I'm only like a quarter of the way through this book. So I, I could come back next week and tell you it's garbage. <laughs> He's still alive. So the ending is, you know, still going, but only like a quarter of the way into the book. And I can already tell you the lesson that's being learned is like, you, you've got to take a, a snapshot of people on a daily basis and try to lose it afterward so that you can let them be who they want to be. And you can be who you want to be. And I don't, I don't know. There was something about the book that just sort of stunned me as a person, this successful, this well-known literally challenged by the fact that like, his own creativity, his own happiness is stymied because your expectations are different than his or or that like he's set a bar that he can't achieve again. And so he feels like, why bother? And that's a sad thing because, uh, you know, he, he this is a super talented person. So anyway, I recommend checking out the book. I, I think it's worthwhile. Born Standing Up, Steve Martin. You can get it anywhere.